0: So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello, and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm on with a very, very special guest. I have Frances Fishman, who is a mom of three young children, whew, originally from Toronto. Can, is it Toronto or Toronto?
1: Uh, Torontonians say Toronto. <laughs>
0: Canada, who moved a year ago to Boca to expand her business, the Playbase. Her goal is to help as many children, families, and educators as she possibly can and change the field of applied behavior analysis. Frances is a board-certified behavior analyst who does ABA differently. Her team offers a play-based, child-centered and child-led and adult-guided approach interesting to ABA, which incorporates mindfulness, mental health, a holistic view of the individual, and a deep connection as the root and key to our approach in ABA. Welcome, Francis. How are you? today. I'm doing very well. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, I'm excited. Okay. Before we dive into the conversation, I always ask my icebreaker round. So number one, what is your favorite book or one that you would like to recommend?
1: My favorite book that I think I've ever read is Man's Search for Meaning. Mm -hmm. It's a book written by Viktor Frankl and he wrote it um, during and after the Holocaust and survival. And it's about... um, about the, men- the mental state of the individual. And it's really interesting. Very cool. Yeah. Who
0: and what has been a part of your
1: motherhood village? Before moving here, I had, you know, I had a live-in nanny I had, mm. my mother, my mother-in-law, my cousins and aunts and family members, extended family, uh, you know, sister-in-laws and um, my friends. And then moving here, it's been about, recreating what that is, which is really interesting. Um, It's been meeting people, which I think one of the best ways has been through my children's school and meeting other families who I connect with. And we kind of are in the process of recreating what the motherhood village is. And it's been such an honor to be able to be a part of events that you have been hosting and meeting incredible and powerful and brilliant women we are creating community. And um, yeah, so my motherhood has changed. My my motherhood village has definitely changed. And we're going to talk about that because I have that listed here. But I want to talk about first because
0: of what you do. Because I'm so, um, I mean, you mentioned community. Um, I think the three pillars, I mean, it's what everything is based upon of, I think should be parenthood and even life is education connection and community Mm -hmm. because you don't know what you don't know um and the more we know we hopefully do better but explain what aba is and then how does the play base do aba differently so i want you to give that definition like this is kind of what it is but Mm -hmm. this is why it's so important that you want to share and talk because of how you guys do it differently
1: Absolutely. So applied behavior analysis, uh, different than what most people actually think it is, is the science of how we learn behavior over time. Mm -hmm. It is not specifically what most people think it is, which is discrete trial training, which is an approach within applied behavior analysis that is traditionally used to support individuals with autism, but rather applied behavior analysis is merely the science of our behavior. How do we learn behavior over time? You know, the science of motivation, of reinforcement, of punishment, of all these internal things that we experience that then condition our behavior over time. The way in which we implement applied behavior analysis, which is different than most people who are doing ABA for children with behavioral developmental or neurodiverse needs is that we offer a very play based child led adult guided, but child centered approach. Mm -hmm. Um, My therapists are trained in mindfulness. My therapists are trained in intuition. My Mm -hmm. therapists are trained in Letting a child lead first and then finding a way to do this dance of navigating their learning experience while incorporating their interests, incorporating their ideas, and also guiding their learning and their development. So, our approach is, I would say, quite unique. Um, we have seen incredible, incredible changes in the most positive way. And one of the things that we're doing um, is offering professional development for educators. We are now offering online courses for parents um, and eventually for educators and therapists. The online courses are almost ready. Hopefully in the next few weeks they'll be out. Um, And I've been going into schools and I have team members going into schools to provide a different lens when we view behavior, to understand it differently. Oh, you you have uh, so many loaded questions. Cause my first one is
0: who would need ABA therapy? Cause you, you know, like, and I want you to also talk about some misconceptions of what ABA therapy and not just from the play-based approach. Mm-hmm. If someone were to hear that, so let's say someone like me ignorant to it could say, well, my husband, my child doesn't have behavioral issues. So ABA doesn't apply. So maybe talk about who ABA applies to mm-hmm. um, and then the misconceptions behind it. And I, I know you're smiling. because yeah. Yeah, Oh, yeah, that's a good yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, ABA applies to parents, educators, and therapists. Anyone because, who deals with kids? <laughs> yeah, and anyone who leads a team, anyone who's conditioning any behavior and wants oh, to see cool. certain behaviors yeah. um, within an organization, within a team. There's actually a whole area of applied behavior analysis that is used in business and corporation. Um, so, we don't focus on sure. that. However, applied behavior analysis is anytime you are teaching behavior, if yeah. you understand the science and utilize it in the appropriate way, then you're using applied behavior analysis. It's the oh, wow. the scientific method of how we teach behavior. You see. Yeah. But traditionally, ABA um, has been used for children with behavioral, developmental, neurodiverse needs, and very specifically, has been associated as the quote unquote treatment for autism. Although I don't think autism requires a treatment. So that's a whole other conversation.
0: Um, (laughs) So talk about then some of the misconceptions. Okay, that makes sense. Because yeah, I've heard of of behavioral analysts and yeah, Mm -hmm. you're right that corporations might hire like, hey, how are we understanding why we're doing what we're doing? And I can see the importance of that, but maybe speak on what are some of the misconceptions that people have behind it? Do they think it's foo-foo? Like, especially it's crazy, I guess, and related to children, because we do think about it maybe for adults and in the corporate space for maybe professional growth and certain things. Mm -hmm. But tell me, on the child side of it, like what are some of the misconceptions or things that you hear parents saying like, well, could my, could my child not, what, what would my child benefit from it? Speak I would say
1: most people are afraid to have to contact a person like me mm. because the association is that then there's something wrong with my child. <laughs> yeah, And that's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with anyone. Um, so I think that the first misconception is that if you need support from a behavior analyst, that there's something innately wrong sure. um, with the individual. Another misconception is the way in which ABA is used. Most people think ABA is used only for, like I said, treating individual individuals with autism, which it is not. It is not a treatment. It should not be a treatment. It's sure. a therapeutic approach. Um, so if you have a child who is engaging in behavior that is, you know, dangerous or dysfunctional or, you know, socially inappropriate or they're developing in a way that is concerning, then, and in terms of concerning, it means they're developing in a a more like atypical way, a non-traditional way. Sure. Then you might call on a behavior analyst to then have them assess whether that individual would benefit from behavioral services. Um, Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's, you know, they need something more like speech or OT or time um, or a different approach within the the environment within which they're living. You know, I've I've gone into Observe Children who, you know, their nannies had them sitting in front of the TV for hours upon hours upon hours, but then didn't have language skills. And then when we went in there and sort of, implementing different play and engagement with people, they noticed such a drastic difference. The child did not need behavioral services for very long. They needed a different environmental approach.
0: And that's such a good point because, and again, I'm coming from a standpoint of the education because of all the conversations I've had. This is, I think, episode like 160. So we're talking about a lot of hours here. Um, And I'm very proud of that so that I'm very, very thankful because I'm like, I get the firsthand knowledge here, right? But I say that because I'm like, I know that, They say that just because your child might not be able to understand certain things or maybe they're not expressing themselves the way because there is some um, miscommunication or there's something or their needs aren't being met. We immediately think it's the behavior. Goodness gracious, I think back my generation, you know, the Ritalin and all the things that were given because they did not understand the behavior or why the behavior was... I guess, um, why the behavior was being acted that way or why the behavior was coming out without understanding well, because their needs weren't being met or to your point, there was a tongue that it was something more than just then, Oh, we're going to label them as a kid who needs treatment and they have, you know, they're bad.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> and that... That still happens. It still happens, and one of the things that I love to do is when I go in for professional development, I have to debunk what a BCBA is, which is my title. everything. Yeah, I have to debunk what they think ABA is, which they think ABA means. You come in, you have an RBT who comes in and removes the a registered behavioral mm-hmm. technician, who usually is, is supposed to be supervised by a board certified behavior analyst. So the behavior analyst. Creates a treatment plan after doing an assessment or an evaluation and observation. They come up with goals. They create a treatment plan or Mm -hmm. a behavior plan for an individual or a system. Sure. And the RBT, registered behavioral technician, would be the one giving direct one-on-one support under that supervision. So- what people understand ABA to be is an individual comes in, plucks a child out, fixes a child and brings them back. And now this child is supposed to be Step ready. ready wife.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's what I think of. Yeah. yeah. It's like and it's
1: programmed or something. Yeah. Yes. Really, in the way that I've seen ABA and the way that I've used it and the way that I train, I mean, the plucking out happens only to teach direct skills, but then you come into an environment, you ensure that the systems within the environment, the environment itself... Yeah. Is is able to, yeah, is able to meet the needs of the individual while teaching skills to the individual and supporting them in using those skills within that environment. So sometimes the environment isn't conducive for this individual's learning and that's, you know, or this individual's whatever, like whatever it is, I'm thinking about an educational system, but sometimes it's not great for that individual, how their brain works, how they view the world, how they process information and the culture and the dynamics of a particular environment may not meet those needs. So it's about, can we put in systems? Can we provide education and training? Can mm. we create an environment that is more conducive while equally teaching skills mm. and then create a beautiful like cohesion so that they can then come together and learn and develop together? And sometimes it works and sometimes you need a different environment.
0: Where did this come from for you to, number one, what made you become inspired to become a behavior analyst and the part two of that, what made you have a different approach of this, like really play base? Like, w- did you do like, uh- research to say, wait a minute, I think this works. Was it your experience with your own children? Like talk about where the inspiration came from to do all of this. Cause no one just wakes up and is like, yeah, this is what I want to do. So I'm fascinated. Like where that came from, you know? It's actually funny.
1: Um, Or did you? No, no. My, my four-year-old daughter took a picture for her first day of school. And on the picture is like this, you know, those like blackboards. And one of the questions is, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she's like, mommy, what are you? And I said, I'm a behavior analyst. And she said, I want to be a behavior analyst. Yeah. So I wrote it down and it was hilarious. People were every- like, doesn't every four year old want to be a behavior analyst? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, no, no four year old. No, no. Like when I was in university, I didn't even know what that meant. I yeah. I so know that talk, turn.
0: I want you to talk term. briefly of like where that, where did that yeah, come from? So
1: I always knew I wanted to be a psychologist mm-hmm. um, or an educator. So I kind of became both <laughs> sort of. Um, and, I finished my BA in psychology. I looked for jobs and I found, I wanted to be a child and youth worker to start, but I couldn't do it because I was a dance teacher as well. And child and youth care meant you worked in the evenings and I couldn't teach dance. So I said, no, but I found a job entitled behavior therapist and it didn't require your PhD. And I said, a therapist and I don't need my PhD. Sign me up. I had no idea what it was. That's so cool. Yeah. And I was interviewed by a psychologist or a BCBAD. So she's a behavior analyst who is also a psychologist who hired me probably. I mean, she later explained to me it was because of my experience as a dance teacher, teaching kids, um, as a camp counselor, playing with kids. I worked at a camp with children with special needs. A lot of experience. So I had experience with kids, um, and I was trainable. I was really coachable and very um, open and willing to learn. Like I was eager to learn. So she trained me in a very play-based naturalistic approach. Mm. That's what I thought ABA was. I didn't know anything else. Then I decided I I was going to pursue my BCBA. So when I did my master's and I did my BCBA coursework and then I wrote my exam and I was like, I'm a board certified behavior analyst who hasn't done what the rest of the world calls ABA. Mm. How can I really be this? Like, I, imposter syndrome, like through the roof. <laughs> like, I am, I, I hold this title, but I, I'm not what, worthy because yeah. I don't actually know. That's, uh. So, I went and I worked as a behavior therapist. So, I like downgraded to behavior therapist to learn. And I spent a year learning mm-hmm. and it was like hands on, but, like really hands on. I was mm-hmm. a, I did discrete trial training oh, wow. um, in children's homes and schools and community. And, it was really hard for me. I would come home crying, mm-hmm. and my now husband, who was my fiance at the time, was like, "Well, if you know better, start your own business." Always takes our hubbies. To- yeah, yeah. And like, it took it took his support, it took his encouragement. It was something I always knew I wanted. I yeah. just never took the leap. So that's how the playbase was born. It was born out of finding a gap, finding a need, and realizing th- this is not like, this is not a choice. I'm, I'm never going to work for anyone else because I don't agree. Yeah. It doesn't feel good in my yeah. body mm-hmm. to do this. Mm-hmm. So that's how the play base was
0: born. And how I, we didn't say this, but what are the ages of your children? Cause oh. I want to tie it to parenting in
1: a second. Yes. Seven, five and four. Aww. And my business is eight years old. My daughter will be eight <laughs> in February. And I started my business I gave, I gave my, my notice to my, to my job. And then my last week of work found out I was pregnant and I was like, this is, uh, you are brilliant, Francis. You quit your job to start your business and find out you're pregnant all at the same time. That's (laughs) when you're like,
0: is the universe laughing? Like, what is this going to teach me? Right? Yes. Yes. Wow. Wow. So I want to, the reason why I want to tie that into parenting is because I'm a mom Mm Mm-hmm a mom so it's yeah. like I think of um what are they you know like when you're a teacher you teach when you're all the things so how did you apply for you know no pun intended how did you apply like all of the things that you learned how did that or that didn't with your children like because every child is different too so yep. like like yeah and I see you like yeah so like how how has that been I guess the interchangeable, if that, of like your motherhood journey and like what you're discovering and have discovered through Playbase, through your ABA therapy, through your approach to it, how has that <laughs> intertwined or has it?
1: So I think it's, there's so many different elements to that beautiful question. It's a beautiful question. And I'm going to start with the fact that I know better didn't mean that I always did better. Ooh. And, but the fact that I knew that's a good and that I, I wasn't good. doing destroys me like it destroyed me and continues to if I if I know if I do something and even in the moment I can't even like help regulate myself to do what I know I have to do that night I will sit with my husband in bed and beat myself up either out loud or just in my head about how terrible I am and like mom guilt is a real real thing and it's like
0: it is intense when you know when you're provi- when you're in that world or whatever yeah, that when is. When you
1: know, man, I know better. I train better. I teach better. And but I'm human. And that's so
0: refreshing. So any moms listening to this, like you know, because like I think we're so hard on ourselves. And I want yeah. you to go back to your thought with that because. I'm sure you, um, not recover, but there's a word that I've heard people use You re- you repair. Yes. So how have you repaired? Like what? Cause you, you're not all the time. I'm sure there's times where you're honest. For me, I'm nowhere near a, a, an analyst where I have the, the knowledge that you have with certain things, but I have had the conversations and I'll know better. And I, that's mm-hmm. why when you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, I get it. I recognize when I don't do it is when my own needs haven't been met. When I'm stressed, when I'm overwhelmed, Always. when I'm trying to check my phone and I'm answering and I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh no. You know, and then I'm like, why are you, listen- why are you picking up your phone now? Why are you looking at the email? Does the same resonate from you? Yes. And when you're not, and you're like, oh, I can do this. And then it's not until Francis is overwhelmed. So talk about yes. how you work through that for yourself.
1: Another here are, a few, oh, yes. here are a few things that I think I've learned as a mom- more than I learned as a behavior analyst. Being a mom taught me that my children are a mirror for me. They're a reflection for me. And when my children are struggling, I am struggling. Ooh. And if it's not that I am currently struggling with it, it is something I have struggled with or something I'm not paying yeah. attention to. Mm-hmm. And I would say that is the most evident for me with my eldest, with my seven-year-old who... I see so much of myself in her. And so it is probably a hundred times more triggering when I see her do something or engage in a behavior or not do something where I'm like, God, like, but that's a part of me that I am witnessing that just pisses me off about myself or that I am struggling with, that I'm trying so hard not to be. and. What's beautiful about that is that in being a mom, I am raising a child. Mm -hmm. I am more conscious and more aware than my parents were and than their parents were because of all of the evolution, Mm -hmm. all of the available information, all of the openness that we are, you know, like a podcast like this. Yeah. Our moms didn't have that. No. Not no. even, nothing near what we have access to no. and the community that we have access to. The community you are creating, yeah. for instance, and the support that it provides. When I can work through that mm-hmm. and I can do the things that I know I need to do, like being mindfully present, mm-hmm. like just playing with my child, yeah. like putting my phone down and setting boundaries. When being a business owner, that's really hard to do. You know, people are, you need to answer them now. Like yesterday, you need to answer them. Um, And that is very overwhelming for me. But I know that that reflection for me is an opportunity for me to grow Mm -hmm. and an opportunity for me to heal. Heal parts of me that my little girl that lives inside of me, Mm -hmm you know, my seven-year-old who I was needed and didn't have access to not because of any reason other than nobody knew that's what I needed or, you know, life circumstance. And so it's given me an opportunity to learn from that. Mm -hmm. And so with the knowledge comes extra guilt, but I have been through my own healing journey and through my work as a behavior analyst, very aware of parenting, very aware of how I want to show up. And so when I am able to be that mindful, present mom, the one who knows the systems, knows the tools, has them, will sit and meditate with my seven-year-old before bed and do gratitude and, you know, have her hold crystals if that's what she needs or um, focus on Mm self-reflection And Mm. one of the main things that you spoke about, which is repair, I always talk about being honest with our kids. Like, I think we grew up in a society where being truthful was almost like with, with anything that was vulnerable, being vulnerable vulnerable was was like shameful. Like we don't, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone. Like how many times I heard that in my life, don't tell anyone. There's so much shame around what you feel and what you experience in life. And I am an open book, you know, like I will, I, I think, yeah, I think that it's important because we're humans and we're all living this shared experience and we all feel every feeling. We all experience trauma and pain and joy and, and, you know, disaster. Like we all feel it all. And so normalizing that for our kids is also important. So I'll say to my daughter or my son, Mommy was having a hard day, or sometimes I'll prime them. Mommy's having a really hard day. Yeah. I need to calm myself down. Yeah. I need space. And modeling the self advocacy, modeling the self regulation is so important, but also normalizes this idea of nobody's going to be happy and joyful all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's not, not only is it not normal, it's not expected or sustainable. Yes, it's not. Yeah. So part of it is coming back to them, you know, like my kids know, I hate when I raise my voice like that. Mm -hmm. I hate when I raise my voice. And so I'll come back. I'll apologize. We'll have a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. Like how I felt, why I felt that way. Yeah. And what we can all do better next time. Cause we're all working on something. And that's something I share with my kids. I'm working on this. What are you working on? I love that. And I think
0: there's so much I want to... Because again, being aware of my listeners of tapping into that. So the first thing, just because we're recent with the repair thing, I think what it also sets the example for your children is that, and for us too. And I think that's something that moms have a hard time with. I think with this whole, like us being more conscious, more aware, more mindful, you know, intentional, all the things present is that then when your kids flip it on you to be just as open. So if your son, like I know my son, because I've been teaching him the boundaries and he flips it on me, he's like, no mommy, I'm not, I don't want to give a kiss right now. I don't want to give a hug because I'm not in the mood. And I'm like, And then I pause and I'm like, well, I'm trying to teach him boundaries. So it's understanding. So now when your daughter comes to you, like, mommy, I'm having a bad day. I need space that you can say, okay, because I come from a very loving, but very like overly like passionate Puerto Rican and Italian family that it was very hard for them to understand boundaries and having my son who is not that way navigating that because my parents almost take it personally. I'm like, guys, you can't take it personal. Like he, you know, I'm sure you didn't want to give your aunt a hug every single time. Like uh, understanding those boundaries. So I say all that to say of just like of understanding. So on the flip side, when our kids do it of respecting that and saying, Oh wait, but we're doing what we're supposed to do. And then going back to some of the other stuff that you were saying, I think it's beautiful because I think for any mother listening, what I think you hit the nail on the head is that even someone as yourself who has all this X, Y, Z, the knowledge in certain things, that you still have the mom guilt but what you can do it also shows the importance of having the toolkit the importance of having the resources the importance of having the know-how so then you can repair it but you also show that we're not perfect so that is the cycle I think the beauty of it all is is knowing that the toolkit and the resource and the foundation is there and having grace with knowing we're not going to follow it all the yeah. time recognizing when we do spiral like I said it's because an unmet need we've had a bad day. And to, Mm -hmm. if we, if we, if we explain it to our kids, even our partners, they'll maybe have more grace and vice versa to say, listen, I have a shitty day. Like I'm not doing this right now. Um, whatever it is, you know, and they could be like, okay, as opposed to just coming in and like huffing and puffing and you've just escalated what it is. So I think what you shared was so beautiful. So anyone listening, it's like so powerful to know, like, it's okay, but make sure you're Putting the resources into your toolbox because trust me, although you might have the moments where you're like, damn, I know better, I should do better. Mm-hmm. But then the tool will be there. Say, okay, but now I know how to repair it. So let's yes. go back and let's do this. And that I think is motherhood because we're never in that const we're never in a sustainable state to be, oh my knees are met. No, that's not life. So we know we're gonna yes, shift
1: we're and gonna go fluctuate through. through regulation, dysregulation, every day for Which the five. Which is rest what we're trying lives. to
0: teach our children. So yes. we have to also have the grace and things with us because that's what life. Is um, Oh, I love it. And I want to talk because you have different approaches. And I know you said that you had some therapists um, and we're going to talk about all the services and things that you provide and all of that, because um, I want people to understand that. But you have different approaches. I want on your website, you have N.E.T. the incidental training, mm-hmm. milieu milu training, milieu training, milu yeah. training, ESDM. Um, you don't have to give definitions for all of them, but I guess maybe um, in a high level way, say, why do you have those different approaches? Is it more because it is holistic? And then can parents incorporate
1: some of these things as well that they can do? Yes. So we have all these different names on the on the website because we pull from all of them, depending on the individual, depending on what they need in a given moment. Sure. So Sometimes let's say natural environment teaching is best for a particular skill for this particular person. Sometimes you might want to do something like discrete trial training, Mm -hmm. but to stick to one approach and to, like I say, I'm not married to one approach, but I pull from them having been trained in them and having learned about them and having been exposed to them through my, through the years, the same way that I'm not an occupational therapist, but I know enough about sensory integration. I know enough about sensory input that I will, incorporate that into my program. However, if there's a child who needs very specific, you know, OT support, they will be sent to an OT because I'm not an occupational therapist. But all of those different approaches create what I call the play-based approach. Incorporating mindfulness, incorporating ESDM, incorporating floor time, incorporating, you know, DTT, less DTT than anything else. But incorporating all of these, but the way that that we create the approach is we need a kid. Mm. We get to know them mm-hmm. and break it down. We figure out what lights them up from inside. Mm. What creates that spark? Mm-hmm. What eliminates that spark? Mm. Where do they hide? What are they hiding from? Mm. What do they need? yeah, What skills do they need? And based on their learning style, their interests, their passion, their motivation, how can I utilize all these different tools to then teach these things to this particular individual? So that is the way in which we use all those fancy terms. Um, And it is 100% individualized. And it's to meet the need of the child Mm -hmm. when we meet the child in that moment.
0: And then, like you said, so then I know you mentioned, so the knowledge base, which probably ties to the parenting aspect,
1: does it? Yes. Okay, so talk on that because that's a good segue into it. So over the years I found, you know, parent training is something that we do in in consultation, Mm -hmm. but not everyone has easy access to us depending on where they live in the world. I remember doing a consultation over the phone with a family in India. Um, wow. Yeah. Years ago, I remember doing that and you know, with the time change and all these different things, it was just, it became a bit difficult. And what we realized was creating a platform that was accessible to anyone who has an internet connection, (laughs) um, would be the ideal way. And we called it the knowledge base. And the reason it's the knowledge base is where we're going to download all our knowledge so that anyone can access it. So the very first course that we have is a free five ten 10 minute course with five things you can do right now if your child has recently been diagnosed with autism. Mm-hmm. And it's for, it is more specifically for families of children recently diagnosed. Sure. And it gives them a sense of what they can do in this moment and for the next several months and years. Sure. The courses coming out that we're in the phase of editing, it should be out in the next few weeks. Um, Those courses are geared towards all parents, some of them Mm -hmm. for neurodiverse and some of them are just for parents. You know, some of the courses that will be coming out are going to be about tantrums and why they happen, and sensory processing and debunking the you know, ABA and how do you use ABA and what is ABA um, and what do you do if you have a child um, with neurodiverse needs? Um, so the knowledge base will provide, it currently does, and will continue to provide courses for parents. And eventually we're going to be creating courses for educators and then courses for therapists because my end game, not that there's really an end game, but my end game is to create change within the field of ABA. It has a terrible reputation, rightfully so. People are afraid of the term. People do not like the, uh, the idea of a BCBA. I'm always having to define who I am and why they should hear what I have to say because as soon as I say my credentials, I'm, it can feel the wall go up. They're like, oh. So I'm now introduced as Francis Fishman, the BCBA who does it differently, not like you think. <laughs> That's how it's kind of like immediate like response. Yeah. So, so that you're like, wait, wait, huh, what? <laughs> yes, and when I moved from Toronto to Florida, it was like really in my face. I noticed yeah. here, especially, there's a lot of trauma around ABA. Mm. There is, there's a lot of, perhaps it's first that ABA hasn't evolved enough here and B, that there's such a community of people who are aware of what's going on. Um, whereas perhaps in Toronto, some of it has evolved and also equally, sure. there's less community um, that has fully understood the repercussions uh, of of a very traditional approach uh, long-term. Yes. So- Uh, Did I answer your question?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, of what the knowledge base is. And I think, um, yeah, so your mission basically is to knock down that wall and to show like, listen, ABA therapy, when done this way, can um, offer so many more benefits that, yes, yes, um, and doing it one family course and stuff. And I love how you branched out because it's such a, such a point because I think it's beautiful that we have access to all of this, Um, like online and social media. And it's funny. I was making notes because as you're talking, I'm like, Oh, I need to connect her with this one. I need to connect her (laughs) with this one because we I, I know, hello, like you said, you, you've you gotten to a couple of community events, but we don't know. I don't, I know what you do. So I don't just have anyone come to my events either. Cause I'm also, um, mindful of that, Yeah. but it isn't until we have conversations that you're really like, oh wait, I can really connect you with X, Y, Z person. So that I was making oh, notes awesome. for that as a that's thing exciting. for me, but, um, no, yeah, I think you, you hit it. I think, um, I love that. I love that. That's your, your mission to kind of, um. To knock down that wall and to change the field with that. And I love it. Now, I want to talk a little bit because as a business owner, as we wind down here, I know you said that you came. And how the heck was it coming from Canada to Florida? And basically, didn't you have to start fresh?
1: Yeah. So. Like, how has that process been for you? The process here, I mean, I love living in Florida. is the fact that the summer is really hot. Like Hot. really hot I'm always sweating <laughs> but and this is unusual actually th- wait how long have you been here now one year oh it's only been one year <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey we moved oh. last last July oh yeah this summer is like unusual that you- that's what everyone says. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone says it's the hottest summer ever. This like, oh, is like great. the first time I think I'm wearing jeans. I haven't want to put on jeans, but yes, so yeah, yeah, so, same. So okay, so you've had your business seven, eight years. Yes. Seven years of that was in a place you're grounded, you're settled. All I this lived stuff. there my entire life. That's crazy. I would imagine because this is what we tried to kids to right? Like you imagine it being exciting, and you're like, yes. oh, it's gonna be curious. It's a great, ex- you know, opportunity. Yes, <laughs> right. All yes. those things along with the fear, the this. So talk to me about what this process has been like for you.
1: Okay. The, the decision to move down was one full of excitement and hope. Yeah. And being here is very evident to me that this is where I need to be. Uh-huh. Oh, I just got the chills because you know how much it's help needed. is needed. Yeah. And so when we were deciding, we came, we saw schools, we saw real estate, yeah. And I remember standing in a gas station. We were pumping gas. And I know the gas station now. I didn't know then that I would ever see it again. (laughs) And I was like, God, it's so beautiful here. And then I was like, "Uh, Francis, you're in a gas station. (laughs) I was like, if I can feel that way at a gas station here, I could probably feel that way anywhere here. There was something about the energy that I felt very called to be here. Very cool. And since coming here, it's been... A year of tremendous growth, Mm -hmm. opportunity, Mm -hmm. hardship, Mm -hmm. family challenges, Mm -hmm. self-doubt. You know, like my daughter struggled with the transition. I equally struggled with the transition. My husband struggled with the transition. You know, it was... It has been a journey and it's only been one year. And so for me, it's really been a heart opening, Mm. soulful, but also psychological experience where, you know, recently I, I, I was saying how my company's called The Playbase and I have been so stuck in my stress and my to-do list and everything that I have to do that I haven't been light and playing oh, and haven't been that. connecting and haven't been, you know, Exploring. my. yes, yeah. you know, my my childlike, my playful, my yes. spiritual self. i I have been so in my head. and it's the opposite of what I coach. It's the opposite of what i what I want everyone to experience. And so equally. It opens me up to, to do new things, to grow. So it's been, it's been challenging, but it's also been incredible. And I think most things in life that are challenging can equally be incredible.
0: And I'm so thankful that we met
1: because, um,
0: yeah, no, I think this is great. Um, as far as just like me figuring out like where to plug you, connect you, (laughs) all the things, you know, because I just love your passion for what you do. And I think it's so important, um, what do you do to release, reset, and recharge? Like, I know you said that you're trying to figure that out, and maybe this will help with that. I don't always, people know, I guess on the podcast, self-care, I'm always like, no, I feel like, and that's the theme of the summit this year. Um, it's releasing, resetting, recharging, because I think more importantly than not, that's what we really need. You need something to release, you want to reset, you want to recharge, and that can be anything. For me, last night, I wanted to read a book. Like I wanted yep. to escape, have my little mystery novel, and I was in it, um, and that that does help me. So what, what do you, what are you trying to find things that you do to release, reset and recharge?
1: Well, fitness is one way that I do it. I love, I love fitness. My trainer who I mentioned to you, Manny has me running, which is something was like, Ooh, when he told me, here's your running schedule, I was like, uh, I'm going to throw up at the idea of you asking me to run because I'm a dancer. Mm -hmm. And so dance has always been my number one go-to, but dance means you're taking classes at night. And when you're working all day and have kids, it's hard. So sometimes I get to a dance class. Sometimes we have dance parties at home. <laughs> need okay, to have more yeah. of those. Um, music is, you know, music, reading, podcasts. I love, I love those. Um, and the truth is one of the things that I've walked away from that I know I need to bring back is meditation. Mm. And I'm probably going to start by doing meditations and breathing with my kids at night. That's, it's a decision I made today um, that this is what we're going to reintroduce because I think they need it, but they need it because I also need it. And yeah, yeah, those are, those are my go-tos. One of the things I realized through my work that I love doing that I didn't remember was coloring. Mm. Um, My kids love to color. And clients I've worked with have loved to color and draw. I am no artist. I do not like to, I'm not very good at drawing, but I love to color. And I was like, oh my God. So sometimes when everyone needs like to regulate, who wants to color? And we have like coloring books and we'll Mm -hmm. print pictures Mm -hmm. and I'll color with them because it just feels so good. It does. They have like adult coloring books. We got one, I think, yes. in North
0: Carolina. We have it. And I was like, oh, it does feel good when I color with my son. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, and then when he w- wants to try,
1: I'm like, can we continue coloring? I'm like, I want to color. <laughs> yeah. When they're done, I'm like, no, we're, we're not done. We're still coloring. Uh-huh. It still feels nice. Yeah. yeah.
0: No, I love that. Um, Where can people find you? How can people connect with you? I'll put in the show notes. I'll do all the things, but um, I know you mentioned obviously the knowledge base and you're working on that. Do you also do services like virtual with people? Like, I guess, talk about all of that. Do you have a brick and mortar that people, do you go to people's homes? Like, talk to me about how they can work with you.
1: Absolutely. So right now we do not have a brick and mortar. We come to people's homes, okay. communities, and schools, and we offer a consultation virtually. So, and that would be dependent on the need. Mm-hmm. So when it's a big need where there's more like, It requires one-to-one attention. Maybe it's even more dangerous. We can only consult to a certain degree and then we would recommend you find someone local. Um, But otherwise, consultation virtually is a big one Mm -hmm. Um, direct in the, you know, Boca and surrounding areas we support and in Toronto as well and the surrounding areas around Toronto. Um, and the online courses through the knowledge base. So if people wanted to contact us, they can find us on Instagram or on TikTok at the Playbase. Mm-hmm. They can find us online at us.theplaybase.com. And if they're in Toronto, then just theplaybase.com. And if you need any assistance, please feel free to email me. You can email me directly at francis at I'm happy to answer any questions, um, hop on a call if we need to, and just see how we can support because have a really big calling and big mission to, to make a big impact. So don't be shy. This is, this is what I'm here for.
0: I love it. And I always say final thoughts. Um, and it's I, I chuckle because I had a guest a couple podcast episodes ago. It was like, well, final thoughts, what have we talked about for the last hour? <laughs> but really tying it to like, okay, after everything we've talked about, if there's something you really want, the mom's listening or dad's listening or someone listening to this, that you really want to say, listen, after all of this, if I want to say like, These are kind of
1: final thoughts you want to end with. I would say the most important thing you can do is take care of yourself because the way that we show up for ourselves will reflect the way in which we show up for the rest of the world. And if we are empty, we are showing up that way to our children, to work and everywhere else. And I have been recently reminded that, you know, my soulful experience is you know so important to me and how that replenishes me and how that supports me in all the areas and maybe it means you need to repeat it over and over and over again, but self-care yeah it models to your children what you actually want them to be doing because they need you want them to be able to take care of themselves yeah. you want them to love themselves
0: yeah I
1: love that Thank you
0: so much Francis for coming on for sharing such amazing tips and things and what you do really breaking down kind of what you do with aba therapy for the support that you have for families and um yeah continued blessings to you for love and light thank you thank you thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the motherhood village podcast subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode you may also rate and review on apple podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their motherhood village Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.